Welcome to the Ether. Today is Sunday, October 9th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Why Foundry, Building Communities for Collaboration. This is part one of a two-part space. Let's take a listen. All right. Welcome, everybody. We wanted to have a discussion around communities and collaboration, specifically talking about, you know, how do you bring people into a community? Obviously, we're focused on you know, why Foundry DAO and how to really transition this project that we've been, you know, core contributors to for so long, starting to bring in a lot more, um, you know, various other people with different talents, different skills, definitely have some near-term goals there. But I think just a larger discussion about pulling people and make them a part of a truly like functioning DAO something that's decentralized, something that, you know, you bring in a lot of diverse talent, you know, how do you incentivize that for long-term growth of really building something unique and special? I think it goes beyond what we're doing in particular. Obviously we'll talk about that from that sort of through that lens and from that perspective, but you know, there's so many great projects that are building Dallas for different purposes um, we may, you know, delve into some discussion. Happy to talk about that. And I'll, honestly, anyone who joins would love to hear your perspective and insights. So feel free to request to be a speaker and we'll bring you up and just have an open discussion about how to, you know, incentivize communities to align to the mission of a particular DAO and really make things happen, you know, transition from you know, the kind of like disorganized chaos into maybe a little bit of, you know, it's decentralized. So there's still going to be some chaos, but how you make it organized chaos to actually achieve some goals. So I like, I like that you used the term organized chaos crash. I think it kind of speaks to the whole organicness of the space where it's kind of like working in a DAO is definitely not really a structured process at the start. And it's a lot of entropy. And then just kind of like people working their way towards figuring out what, how, what they do fits in, in the bigger scope, because that's not really like one person usually telling you what to do in a DAO. It's more of like, you're trying to come a bunch of meetings and then you volunteer, you see areas where you can contribute. Uh, so I think, yeah, it, controlled chaos or like entropy is kind of exactly the word that I would use. Yeah. We've talked a lot about meritocracy and how to, you know, how do you achieve a pure form of a meritocracy where you're actually just, you come in, you join this thing and you, you have value that you know you can contribute and you're free to propose, here's something I want to do. Um, you know, kind of like, here's where I want to add value to this system. And how do you, you know, get champions within the community to, oh, that's a great idea. Let's, let's do that. I mean, that's essentially 
I think how YFD started, you know, I mean, it, I don't know if we want to start there with, um, you know, your story, Clean and Ray, about that kind of genesis and how that eventually formed into, hey, this is a larger project and let's bring some more people in. Well, uh, yeah, sure. Well, we can talk about, I think, uh, was, I think the first ever version of what Y Foundry eventually became into was basically called uh, Solidity Study Group. And this was way back in, I think, May or April of uh, 2021. Me and Ray were still like internet friends. We didn't really know each other that well, but we were both uh, mods in the community. And we and a few regulars basically started a, a Discord group, chat group, where we just like talk about uh, kind of like tips on how to study coding, solidity and things like that, share resources. And uh, it was kind of just this co-web tree study group. Uh, I think eventually the topics diverse to, you know, more of like communities and uh, strategies. And definitely, I think, uh, eventually came to came about to the ideas of what happens with uh, what happened to become Y Foundry. Uh, Ray, you wanna you wanna add some stuff? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We started there, and it it grew into us kind of going into our own separate directions, and then clean uh, working to build up uh, DeFi Desk and another community. And then out of DeFi Desk, essentially growing into like a more, uh, how would you say, a, a more structured or a more focused uh, part of the organization where they were talking technical and they had more interest and more uh, desires to do strategy related work. So I think the entire process has been fairly organic in turn in terms of organizing like-minded people and then realizing that you know if there's some level of organization to the people who have shared interests that there can be uh, a greater level of uh, of productivity in terms of uh getting deeper into the interests they have and the goals that they have and that's really you know the intention of why foundry uh, and what we're, you know, what the Dow here is trying to do. I'm trying to be, listen to my attorney in my brain. He's, he's rattling on about how I should form these sentences. So, uh, you know, essentially like how, how can a Dow provide uh, a greater efficiency to help people get through the parts of the process that are required to collaborate together and produce a higher quality result uh in in the area of interest you know of the participants if that uh connects with anybody so essentially like how we look at you know why foundry's specific interest it's it's really moving people from a uh from a position of not having a, a direction or a capability to code or a capability to strategize or a capability to do all these moving parts that required. But I think essentially the objective is to grow community driven uh, ideas and help people who have ideas or have interests or have specific talents realize those talents and fill in the missing pieces. So it's, it's a lot more broad. And I think it, when you build these communities out, you know, 
not everybody likes to sweep the floor, right? Or not everybody likes to do the dishes. But if you're going to run a restaurant and you have a group of people together that have a passion to run a restaurant or make good food, everybody in that community has to pick up those pieces. And so working together, you know, many hands make light work and it allows us as a, as a organization, us, sorry, it allows the Dow to, uh, to do that kind of heavy lifting and not have one person carry the load from start to finish. And I think when you're talking about building a community, a lot of it, well, there is an aspect of it that requires, you know, a certain amount of bravado or uh, presence or charisma. There's, a, a, there's also a lot more of it under the surface of that iceberg, right? That is uh, the humbleness and like the, the you know, we all are in this together. We all have to do the shit work here and there. And that's just, that's the reality of getting something done that's beyond the scope of, of one person. I'll take a breath now. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> no problem. I think uh, the way that I would sort of put it, maybe waxing a bit more poetic here is, uh, you know, with Y Foundry, these, our end goal, or at least my end goal, that we that I would do with the protocol is, you know, to say that we want to we want to foster ideas that start with you and ends with us. So we're turning users into builders, consumers into creators. It's not about feeding off the energy and resources of an organization, but about growing it. And this is the kind of, you know, uh, out, I guess I would say altruistic loop that we want to bring people into. That I want to see happen in Web3 because uh, we have so much creative energy here. I think just being in this space for about a year, uh, you learn as much as things that you learn in five years outside. Um, and that kind of like supercharged uh, resources and autonomy and connections that you can make in Web3 should be put to good use. It should not be that you know you are just spoon fed or tube fed all of these things uh, making you into a passive consumer, but you should be someone who takes initiative, uh, learn what you want to learn, do what you want, do what you can do to advance the entire ecosystem. I think that's what Y Foundry is about enabling. Yeah, enabling democratization of access to capital, access to education, access to information and access to communities essentially is, is what we're looking at here. And Ray, you said not everybody likes to sweep the floor, and then I immediately thought you were talking about NFTs at first. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, everybody loves that. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's, I think that's great. I, I'm, you know, just curious, because uh, I, I know with, with YFD in particular, you know, back to, you know, like legitimately talking about sweeping the floors, doing the dishes, there's a certain amount of work that goes into project as kind of a foundational sort of, I've heard the term hyperstructure being thrown around recently, but just like a, a foundational platform that can enable a vibrant economy built on top of it. And I, I think, you know, we're definitely, you know, neck deep in that stage right now with all of the, you know, testing going on in the YFD discord um, all of the, you know, UI, UX, um, other stuff that we're working with community contributors to bring to life. Um, yeah, of course, excited to see us get beyond the MVP launch and then version one and, you know, get out there to where 
we could really see the platform used in ways that we can't even imagine now, you know, where people can come. I, I have this idea. I want to provide value. Um, interested to see that, see that happening. I, for those that have joined, um, feel free to, you know, come up if you've got a question or you want to comment about what we're talking about, feel free, feel free to request to be a speaker. Yeah. So while we're waiting for questions or if anybody has questions, I think, you know, one of the things is like, how do you get started organizing a community? And, you know, if that doesn't happen organically through a larger organization, which I, I think in general, you know, it almost always does. We're, you know, Y Foundry came out of the larger organization of DeFi and it came out of uh, Dracula protocol and, and some other, you, you know, Discord groups or Telegram groups, right? So, I mean, to start organizing community, if we're talking about organizing communities for collaboration, it, it really comes from think people who are passionate and like-minded uh, in the same way, you know, together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, something that we, you know, I, I think the community that we have, I think we're all aligned. It's a smaller community that we're looking to grow. And I think scaling is really the question for some of this stuff. How do you scale? I, I know that we believe in, you know, the concept, believe in the execution and how do you build something that provides value that's not overly extractive, you know, it, maybe it's extractive to the point of, being self-sustaining, you know, like it, you have to have, you know, some measure of operations, but, you know, looking to like, how do you build something novel, new, something foundational that everybody can benefit from? You put in the value, you can, you know, you have a great idea, you can launch something and you get the benefits from it. And then there's this whole ecosystem, this like kind of ready, ready to go community that you can tap into to, promote the projects, get extra help, get talent. Um, it's just the, the cold start sort of problem, which I don't, I don't think we're at a cold start by any stretch, but it's definitely a scaling thing in my mind. Um, how do you scale some of that up, bring in even more people, especially in the environment we're in right now, which is kind of counterintuitive. I mean, I think it's a great time to be building things, but you also have a lot of people that have may have, you know, lost interest in the space because of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's 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 hard to have incentives that uh, are sustainable and also like communities that are sustainable. I think that's a challenge that we're all building to it to to fixing or solving. But again, like you know, sometimes these are problems or solutions that just have not been invented yet. And in a sense like being part of the process is building the tools for the people who will invent the solutions uh, if even if you can't invent the solutions right now. So it's like we're paving the way, I guess, for the builders who will be innovating things that are you know even closer to what the ideal would be than what we would be able to do. Hey, Deeps, could you uh, request again? I didn't mean to deny you there. I accidentally denied a speaking request. Uh there we go. Hey, how's everyone doing? I just I wanted to jump up here 
um, had some questions. Uh, I was curious how how is the Discord um, bounty board been going? I saw that on your roadmap. I saw that it got published. I'm uh, just curious uh, if there's been a positive reception to that. Uh, and then the second thing I saw was up next in October was kind of this uh, YFD token genesis uh, event. And I was wondering if you can disclose anything at this time or just offer any insight into how that's going to look. I can start off with the bounty board. Um, I, I think it's, grow- it's going great on the small scale. Um, we definitely want to encourage more participation there in using it. and but posting additional bounties too, which will help to drive um, people to use it. So that's definitely a call to action for the community. There's some bounties in there that don't really take any sort of skill. I mean, it's just a little bit of your time. Some of the sort of like marketing motion sort of bounties. And they're all like legitimate sort of tasks that we would love for someone to benefit. There's no just kind of like, you know, tasks we just threw up there just to have it there. It's all stuff that is useful to the community. So would encourage anybody if you just have a few moments. I mean, really, there's one that's like probably less than 10 minutes to do. Um, go on there, check out the bounty board. Um, join our Discord community, which will let you link to the D work. Um, that's the that's our partner for the bounty board. And uh, at the very least, we'd love your feedback on the bounty board. Um, there's also an option for community suggestions, so you can go on there. No one's used that yet, but if you if there is something that you would like to do, maybe you have a particular skill, you think this would be useful, you can go on there and suggest it, and we can create a specific bounty for that so that you can do that work, um, provide the value. But we do have some working. We haven't had a ton of submissions yet, but um, that that's increasing. Um, especially with the testing. I mean, that's the big one. And that's one that if you uh, if you are comfortable with it, especially if you've played around in some of these spaces, um, you've played around with protocols at launch, definitely love your insight. Come in there, do some testing. I mean, that's super important at the moment. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys, I've, I've jumped over onto a different headset, so hopefully I sound better. Now I'll watch for thumbs ups on on that. Um, in regards to our bounty board, I think it's going slow, uh, but that's kind of the nature of things. Uh, I've organized a few communities in 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 the meat space, as they say, and it takes a long time to hit critical, you know, critical velocity, critical whatever you want to call it, uh, critical mass. So it's really important as we've got things set up to handle the volume as it grows. Um, and I think the bounty board is doing that. Uh, it's a lot of work to, to do the work to build the infrastructure up front. I don't, and that's not to pat ourselves on the back. That's just to admit the reality of, you know, creating bounties that have a meaningful uh, amount of information to communicate to people like what actually needs to be done is almost a full-time job to to go through like crash was saying we're doing testing bounties right now and we're starting to to flesh out like so if you want to come test our ui and our contracts uh, join the the testing group in the bounty board and join the testing group in the discord 
and you'll get some uh, testnet tokens and get access to the the test UI that we're building out right now. Uh, but you know, to write those tests, to write, to actually say, okay, you have to click these buttons, you have to go to this thing now, do this function, and some of that is like we're testing different uh, experiences on the user side for different browsers, different operating systems, different wallets. You know, that's one part of testing. And then the other side of it is like, is it intuitive? So can we give tests and bounties to people that are more open-ended? And can they actually use the interface as it exists to figure out how to do the things that need to, to happen for them to use and engage with the, with the uh, contracts? So it, it's a long process. I think we're like Crash said, it's, it's going well. It's, just that you know it takes a lot of setup and a lot of uh patience because it isn't like it explodes and then you've got a thousand people at your door asking to do bounties it's like it just starts flowing and flowing and flowing and as we get closer to launch i think we're going to see you know those numbers increase so i hope yeah. that answers your question yeah and call to action i mean now is the time ahead of mvp we've got some natural mechanisms to you know, now's the time if you want to be involved, even like potentially in the future, just get in there, get in the discord, see, you know, how the work is actually done and get familiar because um, I think we've got some natural incentives to to this project um, that, um, you know, once it transitions fully to the overall, you know, community, you know, the, the vision of the community owns it, the community DAO. It's going to be, you'll, there'll be natural incentives to reward being there early and being a part of this early on. That's, you know, more alpha for another time as some of that gets ironed out. But this is the time where not only do we need it, but it would be useful, even if it's a small way, just to get involved, get in there, join the Discord, start, start doing some bounties, some of the, you know, even if it's lower level bounties just to uh, get a feel for it and provide us feedback on the overall process. That's really what we need, whether it's testing, whether it's, you know, UI UX stuff, whether it's, uh, you know, some, a little promotion marketing to bring in some other builders, some like-minded individuals. I mean, that's really whatever we can do to accelerate that, you know, critical mass point that Ray was talking about. It's really where we want to go. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, too, is um, I have to say that Dwork as a tool, dwork.xyz, has been fantastic. Like, if I was going to set up another organization where there needed to be or we wanted to have a way to track uh, and make sure that people who are actually doing the work and contributing meaningfully to the community uh, were able to be recognized for that contribution, Dwork has provided us with a platform and with a interface on the back end and some of its public obviously or community facing to allow us to like realize who's actually going through and completing work or who's actually you know contributing to different areas and so i can't speak highly enough in terms of like how much d work has saved us in in building out infrastructure ourselves uh, for bounties and community engagement. Yeah, and just adding on to that, I think I want to say like that's one of the cool things about Web3 is that the tools that are being built for DAOs and uh, on-chain organizations that 
uh, you know, are open access and make its way to the public uh, for public use. I think that's kind of very much the curb cut effect that we see uh, benefits to the wider community from stuff that are being designed for DAOs or Web3 organizations. Because uh, anyone basically can use those tools to track any kind of work that they want. Um, and the fact that it's free is just a, a huge bonus, I think, com- considering that a lot of these tools on the other side, which is like on Web2, are probably marketed to its startups with a lot of capital. And that's going to have like a lot of costs, cost prohibitive measures for regular people like you and me. Yeah, I thanks for the feedback. I just want to get a point of clarification. Um, I, I think I read it in the Discord, but these reputation points that you earn for doing these bounties, uh, I think I read that they're redeemable for YFD tokens at a later time. Is that is that correct? Uh, I don't think so. Um, yeah, no, yeah, not not exactly. I mean, I think that's something we had discussed. Um, so they're not exactly redeemable, um, but this reputation will definitely cement you. Uh, you know, possibly some Discord roles for your level of contribution. There's a leaderboard for the reputation points. So we're definitely considering the task points in D-Work as a measure of like to raise point, like what, what sort of work are you actually doing and what level of contribution to the overall DAO? And that will be meaningful um, in the future um, to be a part of that. Like you want to be a part of that early on and, you know, you definitely want to, you know, no, no, no promise of direct compensation or anything. And, you know, there may be more there once, you know, we get the token launched and the actual DAOs in place and, you know, determines how to pay out, you know, some of this stuff. I mean, some of the stuff we're intentionally leaving for community decisions because it is a community decision. Like it's beyond just our small Genesis group that's been working on it. Um, but all I can say is like, to my point earlier, you, this is the time to get involved if you're interested in the project and want to help, want to help out and be a foundational member of that community um this is the time to do that and you will be rewarded for it in one way or another for sure yeah and to to add to that too with what crash is saying is that you know these are ultimately decisions that are left up to the DAO, and at this point you know we're almost wrapped with our contribution piece in terms of what we've been instructed to do so you know, the DAO will be available to make these decisions uh, to speak to your uh, question about the TGE or the token generation event is those tokens need to be generated to to identify who's in the community, who's a member of the DAO and who's not. And then from, you know, that generation event, the, the holders of tokens will be able to decide the direction of, of the protocol. Yeah, and as far as extra, I know you had another question specifically around the token generation event. Um, I don't know, Ray, Clean, what sort of information are we prepared to <laughs> put out there? I, I don't think we have any information formally yet. Um, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of the decisions are going to be left up to the DAO. So, uh, you know, we're just getting the token generated and then it's essentially the the DAO from there on out so what what happens how things are incentivized it's really you know it's not in our control uh and we don't want it to be in our control so i think that's what we can say right now uh we'll talk to our legal team <laughs> and see what else we can save 
Yeah. Well, but, yeah. Uh, more of the timing, I think. Um, the timing. Uh, I mean. It it really depends. So yeah. So from a technical standpoint, right? Uh, we're just wrapping up our final run on the contracts, uh, and then they're going to go to audit, and that audit probably will take about two weeks. Uh, and then at that point, um, we'll deploy contracts and, um, I think there'll be, the token would most likely be generated then, obviously, uh, and, uh, things go from there. So, I mean, it's, it's development, it's technology. So you don't, if you promise anything, it seems like it, it stuff slips a little bit. So, you know, we're really just trying to get everything done this month. And I feel like. We're still in pretty good shape to to get this deployed and get everything out the out the door for MVP within within October. And MVP yep. is going to be. Oh, go ahead, Clean. Oh no! Uh, just to echo the sentiment, uh, we just like yeah, you know, we definitely do not want to be making decisions on behalf. We've sort of seen how that those pitfalls have have happened a lot of, over and over and over again. When a small group of people controls the tokens, it's just not the DAO, and it's just not decentralized so we want to from the get-go make sure that all of it as much as possible is uh you know up to the decision of the collective community yeah so it's doubly important to bring in the like-minded individuals the builders those who are interested in using the platform like that's the community that we want to see have control over the direction those that are aligned with the long-term incentive to can really build value, build this foundational layer that economies can build on top of and really test this thing. I mean, I, this is an exciting time to be involved, get familiar with what we have going on, because once MVP hits, opportunities will abound to put in proposals to hit the ground running with different projects that you may have, um, default strategies. Uh, there'll be a lot of opportunity as things continue to move from MVP to version one, a lot of opportunities to um, use the platform in various ways. And I'm sure tons of ways that we haven't even thought about, you know, which is what's exciting about it. Yeah, I think in, in general, you know, when you're actually doing a DAO, right, not just a formal structured organization where the core team migrates from private, secret, you know, uh, heads down development to public grid <laughs> or public uh, development, but they still own all the tokens. And so there's really, the community is essentially like a second class citizen in the sense of driving the, the production of things. I mean, that that does work and that is more efficient, but to what end, right? Because you're, not really in our experiment or in this experiment, I guess, a lot of what the thinking is, is that can something actually, you know, it's going to be extremely messy at the beginning as everything gets settled out and, and factions form or, or people, you know, natural leaders are going to come up. It's like, how does this, it's like a big bang, essentially, right? That's the TGE in a, in a true DAO. It's this explosion of energy. And then what happens? What forms out of that? What clusters grow out of that? And how does that come together and start to actually fun function as an ecosystem? And again, like I say, it's, it's extremely, 
exciting and it's 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 like going on a roller coaster it's that kind of excitement and fear yeah kind of joined together so i want to comment real quick uh on the tail end of that is that like you know with with crypto within the past year the past maybe five years we've really seen like the evolution of tokens towards like from proof of work like ethereum bitcoin where you have to use computer mining to get the token and then what we see today is that with proof of work, you know, eventually when when people don't want proof of work anymore, whether that's the narrative of like energy consumption or it's the narrative of like uh, people buying up all kinds of like computer hardware, making it tough on all the other normal users. Uh, Bitcoin mining, you know, it's it's headed to the, the trash, like I think in the long run, because like number one, you, there's a limited amount of computing power. And number two is that, yeah, it just uses a ton of energy and we've seen like, you know, some miners are already dumping their hardware because like Ethereum has moved to proof of stake. So, you know, that's not a fully sustainable way. It was a great proof of concept and it worked for a while. Uh, and, and it definitely results in a more distributed ledger per se, but like not always because miners with the hardware and the capital would definitely have the advantage. Uh, and then you look at proof of stake, which is like, I guess the meta now, everything is proof of stake, but Cosmos, Ethereum 2.0, uh, and it kind of also centralizes control, like especially if you look at the way that validators work. Uh, you know, we did an analysis real quick on like Cosmos validators, and like the top with the top hundred validators, you only need like twelve or fifteen of them to to basically have a super majority, um, which is not good for a decentralized ecosystem. Uh, and so, like proof of stake, proof of work, none of these are kind of the ideal distribution yet. And I think the sort of way that we're looking at it with um, at least we're trying to with uh, a white foundry token is you know proof of collaboration or proof of contribution uh, in the sense that you have to be human and you have to be doing something that that moves the DAO towards its end goal towards its end vision or yeah Ray you you have something to input on that yeah I was gonna say with what you're saying I think where we're moving things and you'll see it. <laughs> this is our alpha piece, you'll see it in the TGE, is we're really looking at proof of reputation, like proof of collaboration, like you're saying, like who contributes to the community. And because proof of work is one thing, it, it, it you know, celebrates the strong or the people that have the infrastructure and proof of stake celebrates the people that have the funds, the money that made their money from proof of work. But really, you have like the majority of the community is really driving on proof of reputation, proof of collaboration, our community. And so I think that's really what, you know, we'd like to see things, the direction things would go. Clint, do you have more? Chris, Chris, precisely. I think every step that we can take as a community, as, uh, you know, as, a, as, as the people who are in Web3, who are going to be the, the next, you know, advocates were at web the only people right now honestly because after the bear market a lot of people have left as the people who are still here we have to say that every single step that moves us away from proof of wealth is a good step for web tree yeah absolutely and i i think we talked about you know we got a partnership with the work i mean we'll partner with others in the space to get there with you know how can we enable this future you know mentioned meritocracy before proof of reputation this is definitely where we want to where you come in 
you have you know ideas you can provide value in different ways um you know all sorts of different ways that could be just being there and you know having a voice in the community even but um regardless we can know that you are an actual person that is contributing and what level you are contributing and that'll be just more and more future more and more valuable as this thing grows um it's exciting for and I was going to say, we, we should clarify, too, with that, that building these bounty boards is the way for the community to drive their own assessment of value, to quantify what is reputation and what is contribution. It's not a, a team of people in the back room going, oh, these are the things to do. It's the community saying, hey, we want these things done with the platform, and then community members stepping up and doing those things for the platform. So it creates a flywheel where the community creates the events that require contributions and then the community rewards itself for achieving its own goals. It isn't top down in that sense, if that if that makes sense to people. Yeah, and we'll have some additional uh, information coming out in the next few weeks, maybe additional spaces around our working groups, um, the, the DAO's working groups. We've got some thoughts on how best to organize the chaos like we talked about before and um i i honestly i think like the, the you talk about centralization and yes you can get things done but just ha how how much more powerful is it to have the kind of hive mind and all of the talent if you can like somewhat organize that bring them in and they could they could well self-organize to a certain extent around things that they're passionate about instead of it being like hey here's this specific task this is your job you must do it like i could make a world where you know everyone's largely you know self-employed like you do what you want to provide value and as long as you're providing that value you get rewarded for it um and you can sustain yourself like, I, I think we're at the cusp of something there. Yeah, I, I don't know if anybody here has uh, read the, uh, it got leaked onto the internet, uh, the Valve uh, software group, uh, you know, the guys that made Steam or the people that made Steam. Uh, if you can go ahead and read their uh, employee handbook, it is essentially a flat organization of like, hey, you just do the things that you think add value to the organization. And that's that's why you're here. We know you're smart. We know you're you want to be involved in the community. So participate in the community in the ways that you believe add value. And we'll use that, you know, as a way to you know recognize your contribution if that uh, and it's it's very well thought out manual and it's very open ended where it treats the people in the community or the people that work at Valve you know, with respect, it's not that, oh, you're a janitor and this is your box and this is the only thing you do is janitor things. It's it's like you you were a member of the community and, and if you see things and you can improve it, then it's your, you know, responsibility as a community member to, to do the things to improve the, the community. Yeah, real quick, uh, I opened, I looked for the handbook and I don't know if this is the true copy, but the for, on the first page, it says, Handbook for New Employees, a fearless adventure in knowing what to do when no one's there telling you what to do. And I feel that is exactly what a DAO is. 
Jack, yeah, I, I totally agree. You just think about the gig economy. I mean, like, I think it's all been building towards, and not like this is the ultimate culmination. I think this is just the next step in the Dow sort of quote experiment is the next step in, you know, some of the, some of these, like, it's just a long time coming, you know, steps towards this sort of future that we're looking at and let's take the lessons learned from, you know, oh, here's what works about the gig economy and why it works. But you have all of these like centralized entities that are extracting value from all the employees and, you know, taking a cut, you know, middlemen taking an unnecessary cut with platform, you know, some of the job platforms that are out there. Like um, same thing for some of the like uh, startup accelerator sort of programs. I mean, you've got like all of these ideas that are kind of circling around, you know, how do you get people in? get their funding, but then you have, you know, oh, there's these middlemen of seed investors that take their huge cuts of these things before it launches and dump on retail. And how, how do you make the, you know, the, um, the contributors in the network, those that are building as well as those that are using, they're all getting the full amount of the value of that thing and incentivized naturally to keep building and keep providing more value, sharing it with others, bringing more people in. I, I mean, I think we're, we're working on, and I mean, we as in the overall community, really the overall Cosmos community, I think, but um, really working on like, how can we build all of the tools to, you know, enable just continually like this whole reputation sort of economy to just, uh, yeah, really move forward. In, in the kind of path that we've seen. Yeah. It, to add to that, I will say that um, I think we can point to specific examples in Terra and uh, in other chains is, you know, a, a piece of deficiency in engaging with the community right now in webs. All right. We'll try this again. How can Twitter be this goofy? I mean, man, it must be like, it's been around for 10 years, right? 12 years or 15 years, and it's still, it's very strange. Anyway. I guess Spaces is a new product. It's been around for a couple of years now, no? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, we hear you. Bro. So it says I'm a listener. So and when I <laughs> I can't mute my mic apparently because I press mic, it says mic is off. If I press it, it will ask me to like if I want to be a speaker. Like, yeah, it's just weird. Okay, now now you're muted. Yeah, I, I muted him. It was too much. I couldn't take crash anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it is Kofi. I think maybe maybe Spaces is a new because it's a new product or something, new team. In, it's tough to integrate it. I don't know how new though. It's definitely been around for at least a, like a year, right? Better part of a year. There we go. I've invited him back to speak. I think we're just gonna lose everybody. This just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Which is unfortunate, but oh, it was good for the first hour. Oh, first 50, 50 minutes, I think. Yeah, and I, 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 yeah. I, I googled to see if there was a time limit on spaces, but there's no innate time limit. But every time we seem to cut off at a 45 or 50 minute mark. Yeah, 
Uh, Crash, I've invited you to be a speaker again. So you might have a a thing inviting you. So I we can still talk about like what I was going to say. I think it's a, I think it's valuable in the sense that um, no. Yes. So, I think so it's it, a recording. Yeah. Yeah. So the one thing I'm noticing with these governance proposals, both on Terra and recently on Kujira, right, is and, and it's on across every chain. It's not specific to any one party or example is that like there isn't there isn't an attention to detail or or an emphasis put on the discussion part as much as there is the actual vote and what i'm finding and and i could be just completely missing it because we're involved in so much stuff is that like by the time it gets to a vote like nobody's really talked about it nobody knows what it is the validators vote or abstain on it but I think it would be more useful, and I've been thinking about how to design the YFD governance piece for this, is that proposals get queued up. We can use DWORK suggestions, basically, as a, as a stopgap right now to do it. But I think it would be useful for somebody to take, like, at the idea stage, like, when we talk about YFD and, and stuff, to say, okay, I have an idea for a proposal, right? And now... I, by declaring it publicly, it's kind of like saying patent pending, right? Now I've, I've opened this idea to the public space and now I want to like talk about my, you know, vision for how this proposal plays out and then get the community feedback at that point and make that initial discussion portion as more important than the actual voting portion. Uh, does that, what do you think clean on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, imagine if we just did. Well, I so so here's the thing, right? I think naturally people are not used to like discussing their opinions in a structured way. It's like it's like saying at every conversation you have structured debate, uh, which we don't. But uh, yeah, a lot of people are happy to defer to the norm or to the majority. But that's not always the best especially when you're saying like you know it's decisions that need to be made it's a community and it also leaves gaps for people who can seize power uh and we do not like that's not been great for the space right overall so i think there has to be some work done in terms of like the psychology of it like how do we mentally incentivize how do we reduce the like mental barriers and the the effort it takes to to join the conversation and to do it productively instead of like just saying oh let's have a comment box which is not what you're saying by the way it's just like this is how i've seen kind of how some other implementations of it like agora for example it can be totally. useful but also there's a lot of trash it's like once you put a, a comment box and you just say okay this is the suggestion box you get all kinds of trash and, and there's a delay in engagement and human beings don't do it's a different kind of debate if you're debating like in a in a like sending letters through the mail kind of way which is what agora is is i'm going to write my big rant and then i'm going to post it and then we're going to rant back and forth you know through like this passive time delay um but i i just think there's like a uh i won't speak to the specific incident recently but i i brought up I, I read a proposal on a governance forum 
that was up for a vote. And I was like, this proposal, the math does not work here. Like, I don't know how this is going to get passed for six figure sum of money, but the math doesn't work here and they don't explain it. So I went to the validators that were voting yes on this. And I, I said, hey, you're, you're voting yes on this. Do you, why are you voting yes on this? I'm, I'm happy to hear like the inside information or something that I'm missing. And the proposer went and like flipped his lid and started spamming everywhere publicly saying, how dare this person go and demand the validators consider changing their vote? It's like, is that really where we want to be in, in governance in a community? I mean, it's like we should be having like, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. Maybe you should reconsider this and, and not having that be something that's shouted down. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same thing you see with the, I mean, this sort of like just you, you call something out and you know the the camps of just oh that's just fudding and i mean it's kind of another another version of some of that that you see where it's just like that culture of i we we don't hear as much of it now in the the protracted bear market that we're in but i do remember anytime anybody would call out anything about luna you know it was just like oh oh there's a danger here what's going on and some of those were just it's just FUD, but then there's other stuff that's like, these are legitimate concerns, you know, brought forward. And whether it's the like Twitter mob that's stamping down on that or particular insider projects or whatever, I would like to see something more transparent to know what's going on. And, you know, that that culture of like having the conversation is um, something that's elevated and actually seen as useful like that's rewarded like that's incentivized that's a useful thing for people to do even if they have a differing opinion like you want to have differing opinions to build a strong community especially when you're talking about like stress testing things i mean just like so many you know we're doing the like technical testing right now but i think just from like an economy perspective a cultural perspective i mean you want that same sort of testing going on that refining of your project the, the rigor to challenge ideas like it should be like a scientific debate in that sense is it, i i think that something to strive for and moving forward is to make the debate before a proposal governance proposal actually comes up as as more vibrant and more exciting and more animated than the actual proposal vote process itself it really needs to be like something that gets everything aired out at that point prior to voting. Yeah, so I feel like in this case, crucibles are very useful as the the medium or the proxy, or you could even say like the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, in between the public and the ideas and initiatives and the actual actions that, that will facilitate the end goal. Is that like you, you do need some people who whose goal is to do the best do the things that are in the best interest of the public and to talk to the public and figure out hey you know what's what what are their best interests because if you ask them hey what's your best interest <laughs> they're not going to give you a good answer or any sort of answer that resembles an actionable plan so it has to be the crucibles who are the people who are in between and kind of like okay i see where you're trying to get at let, let me let me work this out and like see if you agree with this 
kind of thing. And that's going to be a lot of work. They're going to be probably taking a bunch of reviews or just like, you know, because people are not coherent naturally, right? It's going to be a lot of work just to like figure out what people want or how they want what they want and vice versa uh, and so on. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's sort of the work that I see the Crucible doing. But of course, like that's in the ideal way. Um, and, you know, getting there is another story. But yeah, that's how I see it, at least. Yeah. And, you know, leaving the egos kind of out of the room and just talking about the ideas like, yeah, it's it's your you know, it's the proposer's baby. It's the thing they want. But really, the idea should be or like the the coming together con concept that everybody agrees on is like the output that we're going to get from this is a more robust and a healthier understanding of what this idea is, what the risks are with this idea, what the benefits are. And to just use the the community's hive brain, as Crash said, to really help, you know, get a better product or get a better result out of something rather than just one person forming it on their own. So one of the analogies, I guess, I'll, I'll use uh, is that, you know, if this is somewhat of a residence association that we're thinking of, like a DAO as a residence association, uh, you can't just put all the residents in a room and get them to speak and <laughs> put them on the agenda. You need somewhat of a town planner or an urban planner to figure out, okay, you know, the, these are the things that the residents want. How do we fit those in into the puzzle overall? And and yeah, that sort of planning is definitely required. Building consensus is what you're talking about through a, through a panel of, of community members, through a crucible. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Because you can't just let people say like, oh, you know what, here's, here's the, uh, I don't know, here are the contractors, you have free reign to just redesign the sewage or whatever of <laughs> your community, however you want. Because you're going to end up with a lot of lopsided decisions and bad designs. Right. One contractor prefers four-inch pipe, PVC, CPVC, and the other contractor prefers you know, uh, what do you call it? A galvanized steel pipe. And you come together at that one point and you're like, why the hell did you do it this way? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I know the other thing, speaking of like real tangible things that's going on that I've seen in governance and in, in DeFi and in this space and these DAOs and whatnot is, is pre-dealing in back rooms and, and finding that once uh, I'm a pretty, in, in, uh, how do you say it? I'm a pretty antagonistic person at times, like especially when I feel somebody is uh, not being honest or has not disclosing things to avoid actually having a honest discussion about what's happening. So I've noticed lately in governance proposals, not lately, but all the time, is that you know there's a lot of proposals that get formulated, founded, developed all outside of the community and they're done uh, in coordination with whatever the core team is uh, from a particular protocol or chain and then the proposer is upset that anybody's questioning it because they thought oh well this is just a done deal like i already worked with the team and it's like no now you have to deal with the community <laughs> and it's like well i already worked with the team and this is how you know they said to do it and it's like well they're not the ones who, you know, vote for everything. It's the community. You should probably talk to the rest of us. So I, I really would like to get this stuff, like we said, out in the open more. 
yeah, straight up. And and yeah, I would say like, you know, the way that those kind of back backdoor deals work is that it sets up the governance of kleptocracy. I mean, in the end, it's all about monetary incentives, and if you allow that to happen, that will happen. I mean, it's not it's not a touch, it's not a comment on the the virtues or the values of the people in it. It's just that you know, if you have a bad system, it's going to turn out bad outcomes. Right, and if you're not writing guardrails in to prevent that kind of behavior, you know, in the contracts and in in things, it's it's not that we don't trust you. It's just that that behavior is never acceptable. So we're just going to write contracts that don't allow it. Period. And I think that's a that's a better way to start approaching this. Is is stop idealizing uh, human behavior and start realizing that. For organizations to work, there has to be some structure. You can't just do a fully open mob rules democracy and expect to actually have anything other than crabs in a barrel trying to, you know, get theirs before anybody else takes it. Precisely. And uh, to put it in like a very dumb, but like simplified way, it's basically, I would think like, you know, it's not that you're going to, it's not that you're going to sneeze at the food, but I'd rather have sneeze cards on this food than without, you know. And another way I've been analogizing this to people is like, once somebody has the, once somebody gets, or once a, a group or a part of a DAO or a part of an organization reaches a particular level where they're, let's use the analogy of they're getting to eat steak every day, right? They've solidified their position in the community to the point where it's very comfortable for them. And they're, they're top of the food chain. You know, the, this altruism idea doesn't work in the sense that those people that have steak are not going to share their steak with other people. It's just not human nature. They'll give everybody else ground beef, right? They'll give everybody else the, the fattier cuts or the stuff that they don't want. But na- human tribal nature is to solidify their power structure and, and maintain it. And so that's great. But we need to have mechanisms in place in our governance contracts and in the organization of the DAO to prevent that consolidation from, you know, perpetuating itself indefinitely. And I think that's the complicated piece. Straight up. And I think the way that we're building this is, you know, to say the way that Y Foundry is designed to, to be is that like, you know, we don't have the answers. We don't have the ultimate answers. And, you know, it's, it's impossible because None of us have all of the skill and expertise in all of the disciplines in, I don't know, psychology, you know, anthropology, whatever fields that is necessary to, to do this great human endeavor. It has to be something that's scalable. It has to be something that can be passed on from us to whoever else wants to work on it. And it has to be an open system. It has to be fair. It has to be decentralized. That's the only way that it's going to get done. Uh, by the people who you know may not even exist yet. Who knows? Like if if uh, by moonshot this is an idea that that continues to sustain itself for many thirty years, then yeah, you know I could see that we you know why Foundry could be solving problems far in the future with people uh, who are far smarter, who are far better equipped than any of us or even all of us put together. And the idea is that you know we're not here to be those people. We're not those people. We're just here to lay the groundwork. And as long as we do what we do and someone else does the next step and the next step, and you know, we all agree that all of this leads to sort of the direction that we want to go, then yeah, we'll we'll get there eventually, step by step.
Yeah. That's a, I mean, it's just little by little and we're all learning and we're all making mistakes and, you know, it's just a lot of it's just being honest and observing what we're seeing. Uh, to speak to something tangible that we've talked about internally that we could probably talk about externally in terms of some of this community stuff is looking at like, uh, you know, one of the functions of the platform is boosting your staking of YFD. So you stake your YFD for two weeks and you get a very small percentage of governance power, but you stake your YFD for two years and you get two and a half times the amount of governance power from your staking. Right. So this clearly as a protocol incentivizes us or incentivizes people to stake longer. Uh, and the incentive for the protocol is that that means those those tokens are not on the market to be sold or be moved around. And so it solidifies the supply uh, from a token standpoint. But, you know, looking at it from a governance standpoint is like do we you we get into the question of well we're giving more governance power to people who stake longer but have those people provided any uh validation of their participation in governance or interest in their participation in governance in the sense that there's no there's no working up to being able to have more ability to influence governance it's just immediately you can take your tokens stake them for two years and have two and a half times influence in governance. Should that be a tiered uh, step up scale where, yeah, you can do that for nine months, which gives you one to one. But then if you want to go two years, you know, you've got to have participated in 10 governance interactions or some other level of qualification beyond just the time log. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that can be sort of like done can be studied with the DAO and you know I'd love to see kind of like what is the public opinion on it, what is the kind of research we can do. Uh but yeah overall I think this is a pretty solid mechanism in the sense like it it, it works at least better than what we've seen the majority of stuff that works works now. Especially like you know we're, we're definitely not gonna be relying on snapshot polls. Um and so like yeah hopefully this is something that has a good foundation for the builders of YFD to build on in terms of governance. And Gr Grant's on here. Do you want to do you want to uh, speak, Grant? And he's taking notes, and <laughs> it's like <laughs> this is an official request here. No, just kidding. Yeah, I, I think anything we can do to um, align the community naturally with not only participating in governments, but like the long-term value growth and the long-term vision, it's a challenge, especially in the space that's so short-term focused. Yeah, because I mean, I think that, you know, it really is in the best interest of the community to identify the participants that are actually active and participating in governance and in the community rather than, uh, you know, having having just everybody at, at a at an equal footing for the depth of their participation. We're talking about that in bounties as well, with you know, only some tasks will get unlocked if other tasks have been completed by this particular account. So, you know, somebody can't come in like to Clean's point 
you know, I can't come in and, and just design the sewer system for the entire city off the street. Like I have to have participated in, you know, maybe 10 different public works related activities prior to being able to claim something so uh, complicated or something so large. I think especially when, when community funds are involved, that's a big, that's a big qualifier. <laughs> I like that sewer system is the example that was used. Like, couldn't think of something else there. Is that appropriate or? Very, very tangible. Because, you know, Everybody that, that, poops, that. man. Everybody poops. <laughs> and you know, you don't want someone else messing with your poop lines. Have it go directly in front of your house with a huge sewer grate. Definitely not something you'd want to hand over to your neighbor <laughs> or something. Well, are there any any questions or anything coming up? We've been we've been at this for almost an hour and a half or an hour, a little over an hour. So happy to answer any questions. Yeah, final call to action before we wrap up is come in, join the Discord, um, get you know, give us feedback on not only the project, not only helping us get to the MVP. But it's also just the DAO, um, the bounties, you know, getting in there on the bounty board, get get out involved, plenty of opportunities to be involved, opportunity to use the platform to for community suggestions. We would love to hear what you have to say. Since I got asked a question, I guess I'll step up and say yeah, go something for, it, for a minute. Yeah. Ha having been on the other side of, uh, you know, community discussions, I, I do feel just kind of circling back on that topic for a second the whole idea that there are voices which have some weight to them, right? Somebody who's designed a sewer system before wanting to speak something that should be done. There's definitely room for improvement on trying to vet the people who sh should have a, a voice, right? Because you don't know who you're talking to necessarily a priori. So there is some amount of, trying to figure out what experience some team, some developer, somebody might have with respect to speaking up about something. And I, I think this is even, we see this a lot of times in, in public debate, right? There's a bunch of scientists who say something and then some other random crackpot gets equal time for whatever reason. And these are completely lopsided potentially. And I, I have seen this uh, in certain community discussions around different types of ideas or proposals. So I, I think the, the idea of having, you know, substantive debate before uh, a proposal vote is, is pretty important. And I, and I think it does get delayed far too often until, you know, people don't really pay attention until, oh, what are we doing? We're voting on something? Oh, I better read the bill. You know, it's just way too late to be, you know, trying to get educated at the time when the vote's already up. And now, there may not even be an opportunity to amend things. So much of what's going on in all governance sort of revolves around the same sorts of problems that we as people have been trying to solve for quite a while. So it's it's pretty interesting to try to tackle some of these things and, and figure out what's the what's the right way to do it. So I'm I'm eager to see the next evolution of how DAOs and, and Y Foundry particularly start to uh, frame these things so that we can have these meaningful debates around, you know, different types of proposals. Yeah, Grant, that's that's all very true. It reminds me of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy beginning, right? 
where they're coming to bulldoze his house and they're like well the forms have been the plans have been available in the basement for you know how many months now you could have gone down there and looked at them so it yep, definitely if you, can, if, you, if you if you can't be bothered to develop light speed travel then you know you have no business complaining yeah <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. everything comes it's back to Dune and hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i think those two books I, I think what we've learned here is that we need a YFD sci-fi movie night. For sure. Uh, Madman, did you have something you wanted to say? Or ask? Uh, yeah, uh, something I wanted to ask. Um, I mean, it could be off... Uh, misdirected, is that the word? Um, off its target. Off topic but, is fine. No, 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 not off topic. It's still on the topic of why foundry, what you guys are doing. I mean, I'm still trying to pick up what you guys are putting down the whole idea of participating in something, uh, you know, and, you know, some kind of measure, you know, of, of your reward or compensation and, you know, how that representation, you know, aligns all together in the end. Um, I'm still trying to pick up this, concept of you know this incentivized participation by the community um you know for the community by the community um i, I love you know for us by us technology um, each one teach one technology i love that shit but still trying to fully grasp the scope of you know the scope of power that this kind of platform is Put, you know, intending to put out now with respect to, I guess, something uh, along the lines of the crisis of commons. Um, could you guys expand a little on on the matters of uh, exploitation of incentives for the you know for those who are you know looking for a governance stake? And I mean, you were just talking about like. You know, rewarding you know rewarding those who stake longer, and I'm wondering about you know the exploitation of certain matters. Now, I I know you guys mentioned you know that it's not just a matter of you know just sit and stake. You know that there's a matter of uh, you know participating, and that, that that's what kind of struck a nerve with me because um, I'm thinking back to Mirror Protocol and how they tried to incentivize, you know, governance stakers by, you know, providing more rewards if they voted. But then I'm not sure if anybody was a participant on their um, on their governance structures. But, you know, towards the end, you know, in the final days, um, you know, we started seeing a lot of, you know, scam proposals and effectively a lot of, you know, governance stakers who were just, you know, voting simply for the rewards were basically just voting yes without paying attention to what it is they were actually voting into. And we almost had, you know, like, I would say like 40% of the community wallet, you know, the funds, you know, almost sent to a scam address because nobody was paying attention to the, uh, you know, the votes and what the actual proposal was. No one was paying attention to the wallets that, you know, that proposed those, um, you know, the, uh, those, yeah, that they put out those proposals. Uh, we, you know, we as a community at the, you know, I would say at the last second, you know, were able to kind of stop it. But then, of course, they just kept flooding it as if there was a numbers game. You know, okay, we'll try this proposal. We'll try that proposal. We'll try this proposal. I mean, we're already seeing it now. I mean, with, um, without, 
um, that kind of incentive, you know, with respect to the terror community governance proposals um, for either classic or for V2, you go ahead, you check out the governance proposals, you'll see a bunch of scams and there's some, oh yeah, you know, uh, upgrade to V2, you know, terror blah, blah, that XYZ, and it's some scam website, you know, you know ready to steal your seed phrase and a whole bunch of other things. Could you guys speak a little on um, any kind of controls that why Foundry has not necessarily in place, but is looking forward to put in place to kind of keep something like that in check for those who intend to participate and seek, you know, a, a benefit that can't necessarily, you know, be exploited because every time there's an opportunity, you know, exploitation is, is just the devil around the corner. Oh yeah, absolutely, Madeline. And I remember exactly what you're talking about in terms of mirror covenants. That was one of us to to be like, hey, you know, this proposal is kind of scammy. It's sending to a private address instead of, and so on. Uh, and, and yeah, exactly, it's a problem. And I think, uh, you know, it, it, one of the, the things about incentives, economic incentives, every economist would say is that, yeah, you know, people gate will gain incentives if there is an opportunity. And that's exactly what we see with like Mirror or like any other protocol that pays out for votes, essentially is that you're kind of nullifying the effect of governance by saying that, hey, you know, we, we don't care how you vote. Uh, we just want, you know, this is, if you vote, you get paid. And that's not the sort of participation that we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I do see like that. It's always a potential problem whenever you have like these governance systems. And in fact, like, I know there's a lot of potential uh, attacks as well and like conflicts of interest that can come up like if you paid someone a bunch of YFP and then they use that to then stake and then like to control, that's the situation that we have to think about. And we do think about in terms of like the design of the protocol. Um, but yeah, I guess for, for me, uh, addressing your, your question of like what are the controls that YFP uh, you know, is building or like is looking to be designed with uh, against these kind of attacks. I think number one is that you don't want to incentivize just plain voting or just plain like, uh, stuff that can be botted, stuff that can be easily gamed. I think it has to be uh, like mediated by a, a sort of like verification. Like I would say, like in terms of like work, like bounties, it has to be the the proposer or the person who put up the bounty or the crucibles, the working groups that actually look at it and say, you know, is this person really contributing uh, an honest to god submission, or is this just like a bot that's trying to gain more and more tokens or incentives. Um, and yeah, that's just the very basic way. And then beyond that, I think what we have, we have been thinking about and talking about, Ray has been a really good proponent of this during our ideation process, which is like, yeah, you know, do we like slow down governance proposals and say, hey, you know, you have to pay attention to the top three and, and not go beyond that until like these top three are resolved and things like that. And then by focusing that community attention, you drive more, uh, you put it under a microscope essentially and say like, you know, you, you have to resolve this before moving on. So you put more eyeballs on it. You don't just say, here are today's 50 proposals because you can get a lot of trash with that if, if, you, if you do it like that, which is like something that, yeah, I think Ray can speak more on. Yeah, so um, myself and, and other contributors to the project have been involved in real world politics uh, in the past. And we've had some experience uh, 
with how organizing and how voting works in many different forms and many different levels. And some of the items uh, talking about preventative measures that are going to be implemented with MVP and uh, expanded on to version one are so upfront, we have an emergency pr veto proposal that can be submitted at any point in time. So if there's a bad proposal that comes up uh, or a scam proposal, an immediate, uh, the community itself with a large amount of tokens uh, can put up a emergency veto proposal against that proposal with penalty that takes the tokens that are locked uh, from the proposer and and takes those back to the treasury. So there's a there's an immediate negative outcome for bad proposal writers or scam proposal writers. They are spending money to submit bad proposals. The difference in how YFD governance works at a core level, uh, where we talk about no front running, is because the only people who can, part can participate in governance are YFD holders who lock their YFD and you have to lock it for two weeks. So that way it isn't that it isn't about how much YFD you're speculating and holding in your wallet. You actually have to have committed it to governance to participate in governance. So that aspect yeah. of it, go ahead. And, and one more thing is that like it's, uh, you know, in terms of like economic attack factors, you know, incentives and things like that, having a multi-million tre uh, dollar treasury, for example, in, 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 at some point, uh, it's going to attract a lot of people who would figure out, like, is it uh, cost-effective to attack, to just buy a bunch of tokens off the market and then, like, do a vote and, and push that vote through? And I think uh, the way that in the locking has been done, uh, the way that it's been designed is that it's exponentially, or, or like, it's by many factors more expensive to, to attack it with a short-term lock than a long-term lock. And like, I think that's sort of the balance that we're trying to achieve uh, in terms of like making it accessible, but at the same time, like very cost prohibitive to attack unless like you commit a long time, in which case like uh, it's even more cost prohibitive. And to expand on that, another piece. So what we've done with our governance thing is something we've done so many, and then this is not just like stroking our egos in that sense is we've created the smart contracts that we were promised by everybody else creating smart contracts. Our governance parameters are in the smart contracts on the chain, uh, cooldown rates, uh, YFD required for locking, all those types of government activities are pulled and are votable and manipulable or malleable by the community vote. So one of the things that we've implemented, and these are all just flexible values. We don't have an immediate answer when we start. We just did best estimates on how this stuff should be structured. And the community can be, you know, modify it as we grow and learn how these systems work. So one thing that we have in place is a cool down mechanism uh, for proposals. So you propose something, you know, and right now I believe it's set to one month or two weeks. You can't do another proposal for two weeks. So somebody could lock YFD, initiate a scam proposal, you know, have an emergency vetoed down and they'd be locked out. There's a, an extra lockout for uh, accounts that have been penalized. They can spin up another wallet. They can do another proposal and they can get shot down as well. We also have in the governance parameters, how many proposals can be submitted and active at one point in time. So you, we don't have the issue that right now Window is going through, right? 
where you look at the Windau launch, W-Y-N-D-D-A-O-W, uh, uh, sorry, D-A-O.com, I think it is. Uh, Juno, I mean, they've got like 50 proposals in a couple of days, and most of them are junk. And so we've been watching a lot of these other launches, and Osmosis gets junk proposals. It's like the solution that they have, the, the only weapon they have in the arsenal for them is to increase the cost of submitting a proposal, which is penalizes normal people from being able to engage in governance. So they just keep increasing the amount of Osmo and increasing the amount of tokens required to participate. And I think that is, it's like you're, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater in the sense that you're now demanding more of the regular community members that aren't culpable for these bad actions. So I think the way we've implemented emergency vetoes and cooldowns and a limitation on active proposals. So to give a real world example of what would happen is uh, there's three active proposals at any given time. And so now you've got 15 spam proposals coming up. Well, you can, we can enact emergency veto proposals. We, the community can enact emergency veto proposals and chop those spam proposals out before they ever get to be an actual um, active proposal. They can kill them in the queue and they're just going to lose tokens and it's They're going to go to the, uh, to the uh, treasury. So we can figure out, you know, how to automate that and how to improve that process more. But it may even be that, you know, you get, there's different cues depending on whether you've submitted a successful proposal before or not. I don't, we don't know the exact answers on how we'll implement this, but I think we have some metrics in place to measure whether or not something is supposed to be legitimate and penalize the things that aren't. Yep. And and one thing I wanted to add to that is like with with those features and with those things that we're experimenting with governance, uh, the, the mark of whether that is a successful uh, endeavor is not that, oh, you know, why Foundry is going to be the, the best governance in the whole ecosystem, you know, but rather is that like if these mechanisms are effective, we're going to see it get copied and distributed all across the ecosystem. Every single blockchain is going to be starting to make their version of what uh, basically we started. And I think that would be the true mark of saying like, you know, if we're really making a dent in the problem of like, you know, bank governance in Web3. And then I see it as a huge benefit to everyone because if there's better governed communities around us, then why Foundry would have better partners to collaborate and interact with. Yeah, I think this is just the start. I mean, these are additional tools in the toolkit for managing this stuff, and hopefully it will get us a good step forward over what we have right now. But then you go back to like the reputation economy, kind of building in that like proof of reputation. Like as more projects, whether it's YFD or whether it's partnering with others in the cosmos or beyond that are working on these problems, having that like those extra layers of representation like this is an actual person they've contributed these things and you can use that to you know functionally weight certain actions heavier than others um gate certain actions heavier than others which is i mean we could talk we could riff on for hours about that and the potential for you know the sort of reputation economy but i, I really see some of these problems i mean madman you called out I mean, these are foundational to making true DAOs succeed and the sort of game theory and being able to, you know, test those out, test those scenarios. That's another thing too. Like 
I would love to see more um, sort of testing beyond. It's almost like a, it's almost like red teaming uh, governance, red teaming economy, or red teaming human behavior. I guess you know you've got like you've got it. the kind of like pure it. bug testing, but yeah, could you bring in other people and even set up like a gamified sort of simulation where? The community can get in there and accelerate it you know maybe an accelerated timeline like the old like sim city game where you can accelerate it and see the tornado come through you know you know 100x times to you know test your city out in different scenarios like could we set up environments like that to really you know get the hive mind on some of these problems and come up with even better solutions absolutely and and i just wanted to say as well like is that Communities should be thinking about this from the get-go, even if they haven't, like they should start thinking about it now because this is not optional. This is not like a, a, a frill uh, thing that you think about after the fact. It's something that we need to to take urgency on. And, you know, with the sort of like terror collapse and things that we've gone through in the past year, uh, we've realized that, yeah, the thing that we want to build the most, that, that DeFi needs, that Web3 needs the most, is this governance piece. And so that's why, like, we've chose to prioritize it. Yeah, an excellent question, Madman. Uh, JG, I saw you wanted to speak. Did you have uh, anything you want yeah, to say? Yeah, well, you know, I just wanted to, because we were chatting in DMs, and I saw you were holding a space, and, I, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're so busy, and I don't really have, I, I, don't, I don't know enough about, like, what you guys do, and I just wanted to see what you were talking about and how we could participate with you as a skeleton punk vault, you know, like, maybe use that as an example of what we could do, and. I'm just trying to understand exactly how do you guys earn your your yield or how are you guys what's the strategy i don't understand exactly what where it's coming from uh, sure we can we can briefly cover that too it's uh i mean it essentially ties in with communities is that the community itself proposes vault strategies and those vault strategies get implemented and so it's more that YFD is a marketplace for ideas and strategies than it is an actual, uh, the product is the marketplace, I, I think. Is that a way to say it, Queen? Yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, yeah, so to clear up any confusion, is that YFD is developing a way for people to propose their strategies and to turn those into vaults and to smart, smart contract vaults, essentially. And yeah, that, uh, the way we see it, there's no limit on what sort of strategy you'd want to make as long as you can put in a proposal, which we have a template for, which we've developed. And, you know, we we have a community of members who are equally willing to help develop that idea into something that can be built by a developer, uh, one of which Grant, uh, I think, I, from your last, uh, one of the developer partners that we're working with for the past year. Uh, so, yeah, you know, there'll be developers on the platform, there'll be strategists, there'll be people who are willing to fund that development. And, yeah, YFD is the platform where it happens. Yep, and we've got a we've got a couple uh, baseline vaults too. So in terms of like, um, you know, doing something with the skeleton punks. If you guys don't have an idea, we have some ideas, and we can work with the skeleton punks to implement those ideas. Very cool. Thank you. I just I, thank you for clearing that up. It makes more sense now. Yeah, really cool. Any other any other questions on? Uh, collaboration community and, and the the messiness that is democratizing governance um well now that jg you know kind of uh you know stipulated or hinted at you know the lack of collaboration between 
skeleton punks and yfd i was uh, it, it leads me to wonder what collaborations or partnerships do you know do we have already or can we see down the road um i know zodiac is working on deconstructing um uh, lps to you know kind of provide that uh you know that yield derivative but you know uh, against the principal you know uh, which allows for you know other projects to, you know to be funded while not you know tapping into the principal um is that something that you guys are you know looking to collaborate with that you know i mean i can understand you know not being able to uh you know speak you know ahead of time you know you might have to talk cryptic or something like that. um but yeah i was wondering if there was something like that down the road or if you know like maybe there was a you know like a potential collaboration with the developers of spectrum protocol for example because i know that they've been trying to secure a vault type of uh you know position in the ecosystem um they were competing with apollo a while back um apollo seems to have moved on i think they're on osmosis or something um but with respect to what i see going on with zodiac um with the likes of Eris protocol and you know um stater you know providing uh you know staking derivatives for luna you see the amp luna and the luna x tokens and i i'm and looking at you know looking down the road at what zodiac is you know looking to provide in uh, a, a vault type of manner and for you guys to be talking about vaults altogether you know proposed by a community like i like i'm seeing you know a a beautiful harmony of composability with respect to these you know these different projects you know how however clever they could be you know uh provided you know comp yeah, totally that's absolutely it dude. yeah you see you see the big picture yeah that's 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 the big picture is that there's no limit to the collaboration yeah, i'm not here for the alpha i'm here for the omega <laughs> absolutely yeah there's no limit to the collaboration once you open that up to community because you're not saying like oh we'll only partner with our friends no we're taking that we're putting it in the garbage where that belongs we're saying hey you know if you build something that that works if you build something that has value if you build something that will contribute to the vault that will be a good base to build a vault off of we want it we want to work with you and, and not just us working with you but the community will work with you anyone anyone who's in the yp community can work with you and they can work with anyone they choose yeah i mean, I think it's about moving forward uh, as a whole ecosystem and in general just like what can we do to build you know in partnership with others as opposed to the constant like you know we've got this small pond and we're trying to extract from each other as much as possible like we'd love to move away from that and look at you know i mean the space is so small right now and there's so much potential to just get bigger and bigger like let's set ourselves up with strong partnerships and i i think for these sort of vault strategies i mean just it, someone has a great idea and another protocol i mean that's just another primitive that the community can use that can plug into to come up with something that you know neither project could even think about which is yeah. really open to it's like you it's like you bring the primitives we'll bring the composability right so we'll give you that layer on top of your protocol's assets. Hey, I mean, then I think that we are going to announce something on the 15th that's going to hyper drive everything, especially partnering with you guys, from what I understand now. Awesome. Yeah, and it's, it's, oh, yeah. it goes 
and this goes beyond, I mean, like this is the MVP and it's definitely vo- focused on vaults and strategies, but that whole idea of the idea marketplace, I mean, other sorts of projects are definitely like to be as far as what we're, what we're enabling some of this, uh, some of the tools and the the way the smart contracts are built and the escrow services and the stuff that YFD is enabling, we want that to be broader than just um, just vaults. You know, that could be any sort of project in the future. How can you use these tools to just enable whatever idea you have and connect with the right funding, connect with the right people, the builders, and have like the community you know ready to go to just enable whatever you can come up with. And yeah, and I think long term, uh, you know, we'd like to see YFD as a core piece of infrastructure for every chain, essentially in the ecosystem. Where whereas, like, you have all the protocols focused on building the primitives, you have the the core of the chain, uh, you know, developers focused on chain infrastructure. You know, YFD, I believe, will provide that piece of integration where the community has a way to signal to the chain and to the protocols what they actually value by putting, you know, the community's own funds and own money behind developing ideas that the community supports. So right now, I mean, you're really having to work through protocols, but if we can give every chain an opportunity to have their community be able to develop their own technology free of the protocol, you know, working through a specific protocol. I mean, obviously maybe that's a little uh, hyperbolic in the sense that YFD is a protocol, but I think that will give, you know, uh, a lot more utility to every single chain. Um, and I think I can, since we've got a moment of silence, are there any other questions? For me, no, not at the moment. Um, I think, one other piece of alpha I can give based on the time I've already given this out. So I don't, don't feel like I'm leaking too much is that, uh, dude, during my time at the Cosmoverse in Medellin in Colombia, I had an opportunity to see, uh, Mars protocol. They announced their Rover, uh, Mars 2.0 project. And I had a, a opportunity to sit down with Gabe, who is their contract designer. And, um, we talked about what YFD is bringing in terms of this vault strategy initiatives, and then what Mars 2.0 is in terms of a credit market for vaults. And because of the way we've designed and we did this totally independently, but we had a level of standards that we wanted to adhere to in terms of our vault design, because of the way YFD has designed their vault process and their implementation process, we should be compatible and able to integrate YFD vaults with the Mars 2.0 protocol when they go live in December, which could be a pretty incredible opportunity for people who invest, uh, or I shouldn't use the word invest, who deposit funds into YFD vaults. Uh, Those vaults, uh, based on our standard that we're requiring for vaults to comply with to participate in our ecosystem, those vaults should be compatible with uh, the Mars 2.0 protocol. So it's very exciting stuff. Absolutely. I see we have CFI here in the audience. Uh, why don't you come on up uh, if you have any questions? Oh, there we go. Yeah, I think we have you up here. C-Fi. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, I wasn't sure if like you were done speaking about your previous point because the, there's a lag between the speakers and the listeners. Anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, currently with YFoundry, is there a like uh, plan to have 
either a multi-chain implementation or like a interchain accounts implementation in order to like be able to do a lot more interesting um kind of cross-chain vaults like for example <clears throat> you know if you have for example the ability to create strategies that involve like let's say in the future dydx or sei um you know with order book based systems and then you have the ability to connect with sort of lending and borrowing markets um the ability to connect with i don't know it's like the nft markets like jg was mentioning um yeah like what 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 to what extent are you guys working on like cosmos wide composability i think that's just inherent in the design so uh it, it's been just it's just natively in the way that the the system is built um I would say in terms of interchain vaults and things like that, uh, I was very fortunate with being able to get in with the gigabrains of, of IBC and see a lot of the inner workings of IBC when I was in uh, at Cosmoverse. And I don't think IBC is ready for complex uh, vaults or exchanges at this point. I know that's what they're working with. Both Composable Labs and uh, the Cosmos uh, team are working to bring up the technical level to be have atomic multi-chain commits, which basically means the results, you, the the transaction you're initiating, you're going to get the results back that you're expecting. And right now, IBC doesn't work that way. It requires multiple exchanges back and forth. So that's why you're seeing Mars and other protocols set up outposts. Uh, I think Kujira has talked about this as well. Uh, you can't really liquidate cross-chain. It's not reliable. Um, so you need to build on the chains themselves, if that answers your question. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Is that something you guys are thinking of doing, doing like outposts? I, I guess uh, without giving out too much alpha, I think we're looking at doing that in our own way. Uh, I think outposts are a little too colonial for us. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. About this is a multi-chain, and again, back to the partnerships. Like, I think we're we're motivated, interested, in the the overall DAO that is to partner. I mean, it just makes us stronger partnering with anyone who is solving some of these problems, willing to partner to, you know, enable further strategies. Now, I think the power, like, it, I mean, really, the end state and the differentiator with Cosmos in general is the you know whether it's mesh security or whether it's this the IBC and composability, like being able to have these like interconnected app chains and other chains that can do various things, but seamlessly speak together and really just, I mean, kind of the rising tide lifts all boats sort of thing. Um, you can bring in people and then it just enables a whole new layer of primitives, whole new layer of strategies. So yeah, definitely interested to partner with anyone who's solving these problems and you know whatever that looks like yeah absolutely absolutely i think uh, one of our focuses is on community obviously one of our core focuses is community and and part of that we talked about internally is like respecting the culture and communities of the of these individual chains um and i think that's uh when we're talking about going cross chain is is really looking to integrate in with the local ecosystem because like, as we know, you know, the incentives on different chains, Stargaze, you know, has a different mentality. Their, their user base has a different culture or mentality or what they're looking for. 
in terms of how they want to operate with something like YFT. And Juno has a different operation and Kujira will have, you know, different incentives. So really looking to make sure that YFD is set up for other other chains and other communities in in a way that complements and supports their community because ultimately, you know, vault proposals on those chains will come from the community of people who are already active on those chains. And I think uh, something that we're seeing now with a lot of cross-chain strategies is extractive value, where you have a, a home base on a different chain and you're extracting value out of these other chains to bring it back to a, a different location. And that's something we're, I think we've talked about internally and we're consciously looking to not engage in. Absolutely. Value extraction is a, is a zero-sum game and it's not one that we want to play. We don't even want to get into the qualifiers for that one. So it's like straight up from the start, we're saying, you know, it has to be on the terms of each local chain. It has to be in terms of benefit, all, you know, as, as much as possible, everyone who's a part of that collaboration. So, yeah, it, it, it would have to be a less colonial approach, but definitely something we'd look into. Yeah, this is a multiplayer co-op um, versus environment game. This shouldn't be a player versus player game at this point, in my opinion. Honestly, the guys who are here now, like we are all in this together. The bigs try to kill us. And if we don't come and make utility and special situations and unique uh, opportunities for one another, they are going to win. I'm, I'm like really afraid of these CDBCs. Like I really strip on this like at night sometimes. I, I don't want to have no other avenue of spending or transacting. I don't want one of these things in my wallet ever. You know, I'm really tripping on that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, sure. a, there's a dystopian, dark version of what we're talking about here, where the centralized sort of entities, whether that's governments or companies, have they use some of the same technology to just supercharge the control and the stuff that they can do. Um, I get riff on this. I mean, Ray and I have riffed on this at length. Um, I, I mean, I think like not to put everything in a good versus evil because nothing is black and white, you know, there's shades of gray all over the place. But I mean, how can we build some of the, this, tech, this tech and this sort of underlying economy and these options, like continue to test it out back to Madman's question, you know, with the governance thing, that's just one, one piece of it, like build these sort of um, ecosystems where you can't get control. You know, it, it's like just, it's natively, it, it, it's the it's the can't be evil sort of mentality. Um, I, I mean, I think that's whatever is going on, and it's exciting. It's definitely exciting to play a, at least a small part in that. Yeah, and, and Crash points out what I was going to say too is that it you have to codify the rules in to apply to everybody. You can't have the special investigator who has like diplomatic immunity from, from liquidating anybody's funds. You can't have those rules because they will be abused. These things need to be codified to, to give a level of equality. And it makes some things difficult, but it also gives a, a, you know, an equitable stake to everybody that's participating. And I think that's a, it's a very difficult thing for people to let go of the control of something because they have a vision and I get that, but also they miss the grander vision by restricting the ability for the thing to grow into what it actually could possibly be. Yeah. The, the, 
you know, I brought this up with the uh, like the Cosmos Governance Group, you know, the on a broad level. Um, I think uh, Jay Kwan sort of posted a little thing, a little mini constitution uh, about sort of like constraints that he believes about, for example, Cosmos Hub. Um, but yeah, in this sort of governance scheme, uh, you guys were touching on this earlier. Like, uh, not, it's not only just spam proposals and bullshit you have to deal with. It's um, proposals and governance ideas that uh, go against the core values of the particular original system. <clears throat> I think there's something to be said for um, almost like uh, a, a constitution for most DAOs, where there are certain rules uh, that you plan to live and die by that you actually won't break no matter what people vote for. Um, in the sense that, like, for example, if I were to, in the United States, vote for some sort of law that, you know, enables slavery, for example, um, it, it would be shut down immediately, right? Like, there's no scenario where that would make sense because the Supreme Court would shut it down as, as a real possibility. So similarly, I think, uh, like, in, in, like there's, the onus is to some extent on the DAOs to describe their vision and describe like what it is you believe in and ultimately um, what types of proposals would simply not be allowed no matter what, for whatever reasons. And I think that's not, that's not a bad thing necessarily, like a totally decentralized um, system where there's not even a definition of what actually is spam or bullshit <laughs> is uh, makes it harder for, um, you know, I think it makes it harder for the rules to be followed because nobody knows what they are. But on top of that, um, like, you know, if you don't have an actual vision, why have a DAO or, or a uh, organization in the first place, right? Like, anyway, that's kind of my theory on that. You mean like DAO, DAO bylaws, right? Like just pillars of the DAO and then it goes to the community and then these are yeah. the, like the tenants that they live by or they, they govern by? Yeah, some, some sort of constraints because... Obviously, there are certain things that, you know, um, you know, any particular organization, there's certain things that you just simply don't believe in no matter what, like, um, and, you know, those could be laid out as, as foundational. And there's probably like a common set of values that are common to most economic systems that are, let's say, relatively libertarian or, you know, like that prefer sort of freedom of money, for example. And then you would avoid uh, like proposals and implementations that would go against that ethos. Um, even like, in other words, even if they were to pass a governance vote, they wouldn't count because they'd be struck down by the court who says, hey, wait a minute. Like, you know, we're not going to allow like, you know, this particular thing to happen because it promotes a value that uh, we as a, a founding group do not believe in or whatever. Right. Because you either believe in something or you believe in nothing ultimately. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a hard problem to solve and it's hard to decide like how much, uh, extraneous sort of like, uh, either code or bylaws you want to have. Um, you all, it's always the same problem when you're forming a company too. same sort of set of issues. Yeah, for sure. And I listened to you, I, I've, I've popped into a few chats and heard you talk about the mini constitution and things. Too, and I, I know this is something we've thought about, uh, and I and I'll try to speak for the team, but I'm happy to 
defer any anything I'm speaking out of turn for. I think the only way you can set up hard restrictions is through code, right? I think when you get into uh, saying, well, this is in the spirit of something, you open up a whole, you, you're just driving factions into things. I mean, we can see it in the United States now, right, in terms of how everything is so divisive. I think with the governance and what's in the spirit of it, I think the ultimate goal should be to try to define everything as quantifiably as possible you know, and leave the the subjective pieces up to the community to vote on. Um, and, you know, if they vote one way or the other, it, it should be implemented, essentially. Otherwise, governance is back to Wonderland, where when Danny doesn't want to do something, Danny doesn't do it, you know. And I think you get into a really slippery slope of dictatorship if you allow governance action to be subjectively implemented by the will of a small group. So I think to speak to your point, like how much can we codify the the function of government and what pieces are out of that and left to the community to fight out, right? Because human principles, if we look at governance 200 years ago and you said what's conservative and what's radical or liberal or whatever, those things shift over time. So something that may not be acceptable by the community in the past is acceptable by the community now or vice versa, right? So I think you have to figure out like what are the hard limits and how can we implement those into the actual governance platform itself? And then anything else ends up being, you know, the will of the mob at that point. Yeah, one, one, one little frustrating piece of governance has been that you know how you'll have like a wallet like Kepler or something, right? Or a terror station, and you'll have a vote up. Um, one of the frustrating things is for a lot of people, I think the fact, the simple fact that like the discussion is on a separate forum from where, where the voting is taking place, in a sense. And that creates like this breakdown between sort of like, I don't know, it, it just seems another unnecessary barrier. Um, and complexity that a lot of people don't understand, like, oh, where is this forum? And like, how do we participate in it? Oh, and I have to have a, a separate username and password for this thing and all of that kind of mess, right? It's kind of a... One, yeah, one thing we talked about maybe before you joined is that really we were, I think, all in agreement that the discussion part before votes ever happen should have a higher public-facing presence than the actual voting process itself. So it's almost like there should be a queue of discussions and that's where all this gets hashed out in the same interface as the actual voting. And then it passes to voting for the three days or whatever. But there needs to be more prominence to the discussion part before voting. Absolutely. I think having the discussion demarcated, you know, to be like before voting is pretty important because you don't want that discussion to turn into just like a blow by blow uh, chat box for the voting process itself. You want it to be a structured discussion, almost a debate, if you will, of, of both ideas or whatever number of ideas are being uh, measured in for their merit. And so, like, yeah, definitely it has to have its own interface or something, but it also has to be linked to the voting, but not in a way where it's just entertainment, because that's somehow a lot of the discussions do tend to boil down into that. Yeah, and there's a shortage of work that needs to be done. <laughs> I agree with you um, that the tools and a different mechanism to make things frictionless, seamless, and easier to track and follow 
especially when it comes to multi-chain of decisions. I mean, that's definitely um, we we need people working on that. Maybe that it. Maybe that's a a problem. YFD, you know, FD DAO in the future wants to tackle. I mean, we're we're building essentially more options for governance and tools um, for different projects in the future. So. Well, you know, I'm going to say this, you know, skeleton punks are definitely transitioning to a new phase and we will be interested in using tools like that very soon. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, uh, just just real quick, I think because uh, I'm in a different time zone than uh, most of these guys, I think I'm going to drop off. But it's been a great two hours uh, hanging out with you guys. And, uh, you know, please feel free to keep the discussion going. You know, Y Foundry is more than one person, it's more than one team. It's uh, ideas for everyone for the whole Web3. It's going to be beneficial for everyone, uh, even people who are not YFD, you know, uh, in the long run. So definitely keep the discussion going, guys. And we're very, very open to collaborative efforts. Uh, and thank you, everyone who came up to speak. Uh, but I'll, I'll be ducking out. Uh, good night, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Speaking of problems to solve, the whole like time travel discussions, time zones in crypto thing, someone needs to solve that. <laughs> For sure. Uh, any other questions? Anybody have any questions? Or anybody want to come up and speak and start a topic? We can keep talking about community organization and governance. Um, so one of the things too, like we were talking about uh, for stop gaps is we were, we're using D work uh, to do a, a system for our bounties uh, to try to create a flywheel of community engagement where the community proposes bounties through suggestions. And then those suggestions become, you know, refined into an actual bounty um, that provides reputation uh, for participation in the community to, to people who complete it or to the person who completes it, uh, depending on what kind of bounty it is. And I'm almost thinking, we talked about this uh, for YFD, using that same suggestion or proposal or suggestion system to present a strategy and vault proposals. And I think it could almost be uh, repurposed as well for uh, government proposals as well, saying, oh, I have a proposal. So at first they start with a suggestion and that formalizes it in the terms of it, the way the D-Work system works is a suggestion becomes uh, like a pre, you know, a pre-proposal, pre if I can even say those words. And it allows for like drafting up the actual proposal before it would become a governance proposal. Because I, like I've, I've been, heated in a few governance proposals lately on a few different chains and the issue is that you know there people are asking for six figures worth of community funds but the proposal is like a paragraph long and it, it really doesn't seem like I, I can't i just don't understand how validators and the community can find that to be an acceptable use of funds and or it's an amazing level of trust because I, I don't know how you measure and quantify deliverables in a in a small amount of text. So I I really think yeah that we need to have some mechanism. Does anybody have any thoughts on like how you know we could refine that or or figure out like, like I think if you don't you know going back to something that people say is like people will treat you the way you allow them to treat you. You know, people will pass governments with the governance proposals or present governance proposals with the minimal amount of work that the community allows them to put forth. So I really think that, you know, especially in a bear market, 
that communities should be demanding a higher level of of quality and a and a higher standard to to projected deliverables from from their governance proposals. And I'm I'm frankly shocked to see that it's not. Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to what I was uh, talking about before with regards to um, you know like with the, using Miro Protocol as the example, just requesting all of these funds, you know, to be sent to this wallet for, you know, emergency purposes, when in fact that was actually a scam. You know, of course we have plenty of projects out there that are going to solicit for, you know, um, the, the procurement of funds for whatever project they're trying to launch. And who knows if they have everything in place um, that their strategy is, you know, is battle tested such that, you know, that if they got the funds, if they, if they were voted in, that is, you know, that's, that it's not going to be extracted to the second circle of hell. You know, um, I think what you're saying is, you know, is very valid that we need to find, you know, appropriate solutions and um, productive measures that allow for scalability without hindering any you know further growth and without disincentivizing you know users and proposers that actually have good ideas yeah you know i think to a degree like human human behavior and human communities and tribalism they work by you know supporting their shared beliefs this is gets to uh what cfi's talking about too is like you have to have a community that has an understanding of what their shared beliefs are and that needs to be strong when it initiates and then it needs to be perpetuated out from from the core instantiation and it it needs to be something that like people understand like this is where this community drives value from it it derives value from integrity on this it drives value from you know honesty or you you set your standards and every culture and community has different standards. And then the other side of that is you have, uh, you know, not punitive, but you have basically public shaming for those people that don't comply with those standards. And it's not, it's not to make people feel bad, but it's actually to say, look, this is how, this is what we value. And if you don't value those things and you do things that aren't in that value system, then we have a way to say like, this is not what we want to see. Right. And it's not a, you're stupid, you're an idiot, but it's like, look, that's not valuable to us. Don't do that. So I think, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, you hold, you have a higher standard. You hold people accountable to that and people will raise, some people will raise up to that standard and you'll get, you know, some of the, some of the scammers and those that can't will drop off and enable more room for those projects that do deliver those people that do deliver those that, you know, have the solid reputation. Um, I, I think you just make more room for them to flourish as opposed to and, and kind of get rid of all of the, all the clutter. Right. And, and I think though, that in that too, though, that you can't get high on your own supply either in that sense, you, there needs to be, as they say, there needs to be a path of redemption for anyone. Like everybody can come to this higher standard. This isn't an elite community. We're not holding board apes, right? This is, this is open to everyone to get here. And we want to help you find the value that we find. We want you to help you appreciate the values that we find, you know, and we hold. So I, I definitely think it's not, 
it's not exclusive in that sense. It should be inclusive in that you, the community works, okay, this proposal wasn't good enough. So we're, you know, it didn't qualify in these places. So we're going to work with this proposer to help them find their voice and find the connection in their head to be able to comprehend the value in these pieces and to get that information out of them and into the proposal. So I think everybody has the potential to write a good proposal and it's the community's responsibility to some degree to help people get to that point. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part one of a two-part Why Found Building Communities for Collaboration, recorded on Sunday, October 9th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo, I've been asking all my friends fucking rap on the patio six feet motherfucker step the fuck back doing a little magic pulling rabbits out the rucksack not everybody's always in it for the money looking like another crooked sunday and i'm working monday so you know i ain't stressing left debating great methods amazed to play inception the base stay blessed see even with these huge sums of overall royalties the sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent The actual and artists say they're making can't even say they're pennies, making pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses Now we're on the fence Like we forgot how to choose That's what happens When people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom Just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth Like a rabid dog Like a fake mate And called at the zoo It's looking like the view Is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit Trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through When I'm making my music Spaces.